0: Hello, this is Dr. Shantae, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast, the podcast all about faith and wellness, loving God, living well, and providing you with the resources to do so. So this is a tough one. I I almost tapped out this week. I'm going to be honest with you. I um, like I'm sure for many of you, it's been a rough week. It's been gut-wrenching, and it's been emotionally draining, and it's been... Heartbreaking. and like many of you, I am just spent. I am wrung dry, and it would have been perfectly okay and acceptable for me to say, "You know what? I'm going to take a pass this week and I'm going to try to get myself together and I'm going to try to rally and cope, and I'll catch you guys next week. But I decided not to do that because I feel that there's more value in what I'm about to say to you than me going silent for a week. And so as the Bible says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear, meaning that for those of you who have an ear and a heart to listen Today's episode is called Speaking From Hurt. So that is our next series, Speaking From Hurt. For those of you that are new to this podcast, this is a series-based podcast. And so we will be spending our next three episodes talking about speaking from hurt. And our guiding thought in scripture comes from Psalms 13.1. And it says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Today we're going to be talking about Lamentations, Righteous Anger, and Fighting Back. So as we always do, let's start with a definition of terms, shall we? Many of you know if you are a reader of the Bible, even if you just flip through a few pages, you will notice that there is a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Lamentations. And to lament something, Lamentations is a book that cries out to god it is a book that cries out to god for a number of reasons crying out for being enslaved crying out for being in bondage crying out for feeling neglected crying out to god for feeling forgotten and abandoned and i want to define lamentations or to lament this way so to lament is basically to cry out to god in pain i like this definition from pastor mark vrogup And he says that lament is not the same as crying. However, it is different and it is uniquely Christian. Lamenting is different than crying because lament is a form of prayer. It is more than just the expression of sorrow or the venting of emotions and frustrations. Lament talks to God about pain and it has a unique purpose. And that purpose is trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, our frustrations, our sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. I am a big fan of the cartoon Peanuts. So Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Franklin, Sally, (laughs) Lucy and Linus. And if you are familiar with that cartoon, you will notice that Lucy has often made this makeshift psychological booth. And what she says and what she scribbles at the top is the doctor is in usually, you know, with a a price placard for something that says like five cents. And that's what I thought about when I read this definition of what it means to lament. The doctor is in. God is in. God fully expects us to cry out to him when we are in pain. He wants us to cry to him when we are hurting. Crying out to God is an expression of our faith because we would not cry out to someone that we did not believe in. It is an acknowledgement of his existence. It is an acknowledgement of our trusting him enough to turn to him. And there are four elements of a lament. Okay, so a lament is not just a a frustration of, of grief and despair. There are four specific elements to Lamentations. And the four elements are these. The first is to cry out to God. That's the first part. The second is to bring our complaint to God. What specifically are we upset about? The third aspect is to ask boldly for his help. Okay. To help us to manage whatever the complaint is. And then the fourth part is choosing to trust. And it is here where many of us are finding ourselves struggling today whether or not to trust. Many of us have found ourselves wondering how a God that loves us so much could allow such brutality against his people. Many of us are too tired or too mad to pray. We've been praying, is what many of us are saying. We've been praying, we've been trusting, we've been leaning, we've been dependent, and here we are. It seems like nothing ever changes. And you know what? I get that. I hear that. I feel that. I hear you asking, why us? What did we do? This past Sunday, I was listening to Pastor Otis Moss of Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. And he raised the question this past Sunday, if we shall overcome someday, when is someday? James Baldwin asked, how much time do you need? He said, change has taken my father's time. It has taken my mother's time, my brother's time, my sister's time, and my time. How much time do you need to change? How much time do you need? How much time is it going to take for things to finally turn the corner? How many tears do we have to cry? How many bodies do we have to have carried to the morgue? And I want you to know that I understand all of that. It has been very difficult to be on social media this week. On the one hand, you need to stay up to date about what's going on because you care about what's going on. On the other hand, it's very triggering and it's very traumatizing. And it's like what they say, like a train wreck. It's bad, but you can't look away. And it's uncomfortable and it's exhausting. But I want to return to this thought about the doctor is in, that God is in that he's here this is not his first rodeo this is not the first time that his people have questioned where are you how much longer even John the Baptist so if you go back and listen to a few episodes of believing bigger maybe season five or six of my other podcast John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was John the Baptist. I cannot think of a more devout Christian than John the Baptist. I cannot think of a more staunch believer in Jesus Christ than John the Baptist. And John, having found himself in jail, persecuted for his beliefs. Even John asked the question, are you the one? Or should we look for another? Because based on what he was seeing and based on what he was feeling, it was largely disconnected from what he expected from the son of God. And many of us have found ourselves right there. Lord, are you the one? Or shall we look for another? Lord, are are you with us? Or shall we look for another? Lord, are you here? Or do we need to look elsewhere? I remember when I watched the only time because I could only take it once. But I remember watching that movie, The Passion of the Christ. Never in my life have I cried so hard watching a movie, not before and not since. And even though I am a Christian, and even though I know the story of the Bible, and even though I celebrate the redemption story and Resurrection Sunday with all other believers around the world when it comes up every year. As I watched that movie in my humanity, watching Jesus get bloodied and bludgeoned by his enemies, men with hatred in their hearts, I found myself wanting him to fight back, to mollywop and clean the floor with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for him to call down legions of angels that would destroy them in a minute. In my emotion and in my hurt and watching all of that unfold. I wanted to see vengeance. I wanted to see justice. But because I know the story, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew that he was going to find himself on that cross. And I knew that if he had not made that sacrifice, every last one of us, every last one of you under the sound of my voice would be lost forever, eternally lost. And I say that to say that from the outside looking in, it seemed as though Jesus had been defeated. That from the outside looking in, it looked like Satan and his minions had won at last. But because I know the story, I also know that three days later, Jesus said, O death, where is your sting? O hell, O grave, O Hades, where is your victory? Revelation one hundred eighteen says, I am he that lives, I was dead, and look now, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and to hell. Listeners. Believers, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven. And earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. No, he who keeps Israel does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time. And forevermore. That's what it says. But then you say, Well, Dr. Shantae, I hear that. And if God will keep our lives, what about Breonna Taylor? What about George Floyd? What about Tamir Rice? What about Ahmad Aubrey? Did God keep their lives? And the apostle Paul says this First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Some versions say ignorant, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep in this context means those who are dead, those who have, have gone on before us. That you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus... God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have died, those that have gone on to death before us. Verse 16 says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a cry of authority, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ the Breonna Taylors, the Tamir Rices, the Trayvon Martins, the Ahmaud Arbery's, the dead in Christ, the Sandra Bland's will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, who them, with the Philando Castiles and Jesus. We will be caught up with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. These are the times that for believers, and I'm trying to get through this episode without completely losing it, but these are the times that will try a believer's faith. These are the times where you really have to to ask do I believe what I see what I or do I believe what I read do I walk by faith or do I walk by sight because if we're walking by sight it ain't looking good but if we walk by faith we have to believe that God has a plan not just for those of us who are here Psalms 121 but for those of us that we've lost to sleep 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, which brings us to righteous anger. You have every right to be angry right now. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of something. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Every believer in Jesus Christ is not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. The enemy is already condemned. His only purpose, his only purpose, as the Bible says, is to steal, to kill and to destroy, to confuse and destroy the belief and the faith of as many of us as he possibly can before he meets his inevitable doom. He is the ultimate crab in the barrel. His only job is to make things so chaotic, so disruptive, so evil, so disheartening, so soul crushing That you toss up your hands and say, forget it. That you tap out on your life or you tap out on your faith. And I say to you today that racism and hatred has already taken so much from us. Don't let it take your faith. Racism and hatred has already taken so much. Don't let it take your faith too. You have a choice. I have a choice. And it's a simple one. Do we trust God or do we not? Because God is the only one who can change hearts and minds. Jesus said, be angry, but do not sin. It's easy to trust God when times are easy. It's easy to trust God when you're not being persecuted. It's easy to trust God when there's not a pandemic. It's easy to trust God when you haven't lost your job. It's easy to trust God when riots and protests are not in our streets. But there is a danger and allowing your heart to become hard in this season. And the danger is this, Hebrews 3, 7 through 11 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, the rebellion referring to the children of Israel back in the day of Moses, who hardened their hearts against God. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of the hardness of their hearts. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Translation, the children of Israel, because their hearts were hard, never saw the promised land. In our community, we have a saying, hard heads make soft butts. But in this case, hard hearts, not hard heads, hard hearts make it harder for God to heal us and restore us. Racism is not a white problem. Racism is not a black problem. Racism is a heart problem. It is a heart problem that is exacerbated by hard hearted, hateful hearted, evil hearted people. And we have to be better than them. We have to be better than that. And I know it's hard to do that. Jesus knew it was hard to do that. Matthew seven thirteen through 14 says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few will find it. In this scenario, hatred is the wide gate and the broad road. And it only leads to one place, destruction. We have to guard our hearts right now. The enemy is coming for hearts and minds and he is relentless. But 1 John 4 4 says, but greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. What that scripture means is greater is he, greater is the God in me than the Satan that is in the world. Greater is the God and the Jesus and me than the enemy that is in the world. And so I am lamenting with you. I am crying out with you. I am boldly asking God for help with you. And I am speaking to the God in you. I'm not telling you not to protest. I'm gonna be out to a protest as soon as I get off this microphone. And I'm not telling you not to be angry, but I am praying that you do not become consumed because it is so easy to be swept up in this current of hatred and anger. I know that, you know, that there are many different agendas at work right now, many people trying to undermine the movement of equity for black people and for black lives. Many people trying to destabilize communities, making them less safe, taking resources out of our already broken and depleted communities. And all I want is for us to be careful not to get swept up in that current of anarchy and hatred, because we have a higher purpose. We have a higher calling, which brings us to fighting back. So I understand that right now, not everybody can be on the front lines for whatever reasons, whether you don't have the emotional bandwidth, the physical bandwidth, the financial capital. Maybe you got kids at home that you need to be with or or you have caregiving duties or you just don't have it to be out there protesting and yelling or (laughs) hello, there's still a pandemic going on. There's still a highly contagious disease happening right now. And you just don't feel comfortable being out there, even socially distancing on the front lines. And I completely get that. But there are so many ways to support equity and justice for black people in America. And I want to share a few of them with you. You can donate, obviously. So you can donate to causes like Communities United Against P- Police Brutality, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the National Bail Fund Network, uh, Know Your Rights Camp, which is the camp that's run by Colin Kaepernick. You can donate to memorial funds for George Floyd, for Maude Aubrey, for Breonna Taylor. You can sign petitions. You can vote in your local elections. And I'm not gonna be on a soapbox about this because I know that people feel all kinds of ways about voting. People say things like, I've been voting and ain't nothing changed. Let me say this. Every election cycle that I have voted, people are fired up about who the next president or the next governor or even the next senator is going to be those congressionally held seats. But then when you ask them, who's running for district attorney? How many judges are up for renewal on the bench? Who are they? What is their stance? What is their sentencing record? Crickets. They don't know. And so in the local elections, we have thousands of judges, thousands of lawyers, prosecutors, DAs getting rubber stamped into office because we care so much about the presidential election and the gubernatorial election and the senatorial and the congressional elections. And we completely overlook the local elections of the people who determine whether or not to bring charges against officers like the ones who murdered George Floyd. They're the ones that are making those decisions. The president doesn't make those decisions. The governor doesn't make those decisions. Your senator does not make those decisions. It is the local people. Who are the people in your neighborhood that make those decisions? And so, yes, you should vote. But I'm telling you, you need to take a, a closer look at that ballot and start holding some of these legislators, these local legislators to account. You can join your community policing board or insist that your neighborhood or your community has one. You can educate racist family members, and you can use social media to share resources, to share links and to promote positivity or to comfort people that are hurting right now. So many ways, so many things that we can do in this moment So in our next episode, we will be talking about just that. What does Christian activism look like? And so I'm going to be inviting guests on the show. I know I usually don't bring the guests in until the third episode, but we need some other voices in this conversation right now. What do we need to be doing as believers to battle spiritual and physical warfare in this fight? So that is the end of part one of our series. If you want to continue to support this podcast, you know that you can do that by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, which I greatly appreciate because that helps spread the word about the content. You can go to the Patreon page and donate, you know, a dollar or two to help keep the platform going to pay for things like the audio editing software and all that good stuff. But most of all, you can share this podcast with someone that you know needs to hear it. There's a lot happening on social media right now. People that I've never seen angry are blowing their tops right now. And I completely get it. And as the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. I wouldn't call myself a peacemaker, but I do see both sides of the coin. And I just want to make sure that we have clear heads in the fight ahead, because this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Change is not going to happen overnight. And we're going to need our fuel and our strength and our faith in order to endure this fight. I love you guys so much. Be safe out there. And If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I'll see you next time.